Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMEA markets. It's Wednesday, September 20th, and I'm Andrew Ross. Coming up this week, we will discuss how the merger of Norwegian seismic exploration companies, PJS and TGS, is being received by investors. We will then run through the key highlights of the primary market from this past week. But first, I'm going to speak with Reorg's high-yield bond analyst, Bart Capacci, about Belgium Batroom Products Manufacturer Ideal Standard and its recently completed exchange offer, consent solicitation and scheme solicitation. Ideal Standard recently completed an exchange offer, consent solicitation and scheme solicitation as part of an effort to restructure its existing debt to facilitate the sale of the company. Bart Capacci, a senior covenant lawyer here at Reorg, has been following the situation and is here to talk to us about it. Bart, can you tell us uh, what happened at Ideal Standard? Sure. Ideal Standard has had its share of troubles over the years. In 2018, it defaulted on its then-outstanding bonds, resulting in the bondholders, particularly Anchorage Capital and CVC, taking ownership of the group. At the moment, it's got 325 million euros of notes due 2026 outstanding, which are the biggest single debt item in its capital structure. Now, they've been trading in the 50s and 60s lately, but upon a change of control, note holders will have the right to put them at 101%, nearly double their market value. And Ideal Standard wanted to do something about that to facilitate a sale. Right, so let's take a step back. What caused the drop in the bond price? I mean, Ideal Standard refinanced just in 2021, but the notes have been trading well below par since. As I said, the company has quite a checkered history. When the cycle turned in 2022, they suffered from lower demand and inflation which compressed their margins. Also, they've been trying to execute an operational turnaround since 2018, which led to restructuring costs and high capex, which eroded cash. They risked running out of cash, according to our credit analysts' forecasts, and in January, they received a parent loan to support liquidity. Anchorage Capital and CVC seem to have had enough of their ownership of Ideal Standard, and were looking for an exit but the existing notes posed a bit of a problem. What exactly did they decide to do? Well, they did the sensible thing and got together with a significant percentage, about 76% of their bondholders, and agreed a plan of action. They formulated three different routes to get the result they wanted, with each route based on the level of bondholder consent required to achieve it. The first route, which they could implement with a bare majority of bondholders, involved issuing new bonds to consenting bondholders and stripping the covenants and subordinating the liens of bonds of holders who didn't consent, what they call a coercive exchange offer and consent solicitation. The second route, which was their preferred solution, required 90% bondholder consent, the threshold needed to change fundamental terms of the bonds, and would result in the 101 change of control put option being excluded and instead the bonds being redeemable at a discount if a sale was agreed by the end of this year and completed before July of next year. The third route, which is a bit of a compromise between the first two, required 75% bondholder consent, 
which was the necessary level to implement a UK scheme of arrangement to impose the changes that would have been done with 90% bondholder consent under the second route. Now, given that they had the support of 76% of bondholders, it was pretty much assumed that they would at least be able to implement the scheme. And so the big question was whether they could reach 90% to implement the changes consensually. And what level of bondholder consent did they actually get? Remarkably, 99.25% of bondholders eligible to tender did, with 99.14% tendering before the early consent deadline. So there was overwhelming support for the transaction. And what changes were made to the bonds of tendering and non-tendering holders? The biggest change was that if Ideal Standard agrees a sale by the end of 2023 and completes it in the first half of 2024, bondholders will all lose their right to put their bonds at 101 and instead will be subject to a special mandatory redemption at 72. So the bonds will be taken out much closer to their trading price. Now that applies to both tendering and non-tendering bondholders. The other change only applies to holders who tendered before the August 29 early consent deadline. They get two additional benefits. First, on a special mandatory redemption, they're entitled to an additional cash payment that reduces their haircut from 28% to 18%. Second, they're entitled to be preferred units that are a form of equity kicker under which they'll share a portion of the sale proceeds with Anchorage Capital and CVC. Didn't Ideal Standard also announce that they are being sold? Villeroy and Bach, their German competitor, announced on Monday that they were acquiring Ideal Standard based on a company valuation of approximately 600 million euros which is quite a high price at about nine times ideal standards EBITDA. They didn't actually say what the purchase price will be and so how much is likely to flow to the holders of the B preferred units, but whatever they get will take some of the pain out of their 18% haircut. And the bondholders who didn't tender or who did so after the early consent deadline will no doubt be kicking themselves for ending up with a bigger haircut and no equity upside. Now, there are a lot of things that you can take away from this transaction, but if you're looking for a roadmap of how to do a pre-sale restructuring, you could do worse than to copy Ideal Standard. Engage early with your bondholders to get a sizable number of them on board. Have a plan B that will work even if you can't implement plan A. And then make sure that you don't focus just on the downside that non-participating bondholders will suffer in order to get them on board but share some of the upside as well. Bart, thanks for your thoughts on this. We'd encourage your subscribers to read our coverage on Ideal Standard, uh, which contains more detail than, than we can really pack into this podcast. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey in the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we are doing. On Monday, Norway's two largest seismic exploration companies, PGS and TGS, announced a merger. The combination will see TGS shareholders taking a 66% stake in the new entity, with PGS receiving 33% of the shares. I'm now joined by senior editor Magnus Sherman, who is going to tell us about this agreement and how it's been received by investors. 
In short, they welcomed this with very open arms, both the um, the equity of PGS and TGS uh, rose significantly on the day on Monday. And um, they the companies also pounced on that positive sentiment to raise new equity on the same day. PGS sold new shares worth $40 million and TGS more than doubled that uh, at nearly $90 million. So it was very positively um, uh, received by the equity market. And on the debt side, it was a similar pattern. These bonds were already uh, the PGS bonds, which are due in 2027. They pay 13.5% um, and because of that high coupon, they were already at 101. Um, it then immediately rose on the day seven points to 108. And um, that's quite interesting because normally in these situations, um, when there's a change of control, which this this deal will trigger the change of control option um, or language in PGS's bonds, um, there's a put option. And there is a put, op- put option in, in PGS's bonds too. It's at 101, meaning I as a creditor can hand the bond back to the company for a price of 101 plus par, which in a stress scenario, if you bought them in the 80s or 90s or 70s, is a great uh, trade. But in this case, the bonds were already there and management also acknowledged on the call on uh, on Monday that a lot of creditors may actually opt to just hold on to the bonds um, because of that high coupon. And it'll be a high coupon until the company has completed the merger and can then go to the market uh, for refinancing. And And the, the, the clear view is that the, the, the combined entity, which will be TGS, TGS is the uh, surviving entity, will have a very um, strong hand when it comes to the, uh, the bond or loan market uh, next year after the completion of this merger. This deal also marks a very uh, remarkable turnaround for PGS. Um, Only about a year and a half ago, this company was facing a very tough debt restructuring. Um, It had issues meeting its debt obligations in 2022, but then one major event happened, which was the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which, of course, as we remember, saw energy prices rise very steeply. And for a company like PGS, which scans the seabed and sells that data to energy companies looking for oil and gas, that's a very, very positive development. So having called in all the restructuring advisors to work on a deal in early 2022 that then changed to actually the company only in may raising new equity so they sold new shares for a hundred million dollars which helped them pay down some of the debt and they've then or they also got a new loan from their term loan b creditors they then continued that positive momentum in in 2023 by raising the 2027 bond of 450 million and they also attracted a new 75 million term loan b from uh, sculptor and vade so this company uh, with this merger has really turned around quite significantly and uh, and creditors are now holding on to um to that bond for as long as they can which will most likely be um, until uh, next year when the when the merger is complete I'm now joined by Leverage Finance reporter Beatrice Mervolian, who will talk us through the key highlights of the primary market this past week. Hi, Beatrice. Thanks for joining us. What have you been seeing in the market this week? 
So this week, the primary market has come back to to life with full force, as even some issuers who had been expected to come to the primary market in Q4 or or Q1 are taking advantage of favourable market conditions to bring new debt. Uh, Debt marketed in September so far has been well-received, particularly well-rated debt, uh, with pricing often tightening during syndication. Reassuringly, there's been um, some new debt coming to the market, not just refinancings of existing debt. Payment processing company WorldPay, in which GTCR bought a controlling stake, um, has priced its package of notes and loans. Um, Investors considering the credit credit said they expect the company to return to historical levels of growth under majority ownership by GTCR after a few years of underperformance under Fidelity National Information Services. WorldPay benefits from scale and high barriers to entry and is now expected to embark on bolt-on acquisitions supported by its, its new sponsor while continuing to generate positive free cash flow. Belgian infrastructure services provider InfraGroup is marketing a 600 million euro term loan B to support PAI acquiring a a majority stake in the company. French enterprise management software company Sejid has joined the handful of issuers who have raised debt to fund dividends this year following a hiatus of dividend recaps that lasted a few months after the start of the war in Ukraine. However, however, some deals have struggled over the last week. Um, French retailer Fnac Darty pulled its 300 million euro senior notes, citing market conditions as the reason for the withdrawal. It seems that the company now will be using its delayed draw term loan to refinance its 2024 notes, which, considering that the pricing for the pulled notes was in the 5.625% area, um, made people wonder how, mu- how much lower pricing on the loan can be. Holiday rental operator Aways also struggled but made it across the line. The company priced a 350 million euro amend and extend loan deal on Friday. The group is not performing very well, according to sources, um, and management is blaming it on a continuation of post-COVID demand for flying, um, which is eroding demand for UK lets. As a result, pricing on the A&E widened to 96 with an E plus 500 basis point margin from 98 with a margin in the range of E plus 475 and E plus 500. Join Reorg's private credit breakfast event at the Biltmore in London on October 12th. To find out more information, contact marketing at reorg.com. More information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next week for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.